think we need to get clearer on, on again, this idea of mission. So what, what's bringing people there? And it's not just necessarily asking them what brought you in today. I think it's right. a lot of getting into the, the less quantified side of things even. All eyes are on retail now that stores are finally reopening. But will people go back to making at least some of their purchases in stores now? And what's likely to make that in-store experience so great for them that people will want to keep coming back? Hi, I'm Jane Singer, and thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me. As ever, it's lovely to have you here as part of our global community that now spans 93 countries. I hope that you're enjoying hearing from the many truly outstanding industry leaders and entrepreneurs and authors who are guests on the show, and that like me, you always gain some new insights, understanding, and maybe even some inspiration. Even people who never like shopping, or at least for now, enthusiastic about visiting shops, this could be a big moment for retail to score some points with consumers. To get a deeper understanding of the opportunities that smart retailers could seize right now, I reached out to Jeff Roberts, growth strategy specialist who is head of futures at Jump Innovation. He's worked with many of the world's leading retail and consumer brands to define commercial opportunities and design businesses to realize them. In this podcast episode, Jeff talks about the big opportunities that physical retail could seize what retailers need to focus on right now, the challenge of getting better customer data, and the competitive advantage of getting to really know your customers. Before we get started, if you want an easy-to-read, straightforward view of key shifts and developments in Asian supply chains without reading through endless amounts of bloated text and overly complicated graphs, if you're tired of wasting time trying to piece together the overwhelming amount of information online or in other reports, and you just want someone to make it simple, then the current situation could change everything for you. These concise summaries of key news and information help international sourcing execs beat information overwhelm and reclaim their time and their inboxes. You can learn more at thecurrentsituation.net. That's thecurrentsituation.net. I'll leave a link in the show notes and also over on our podcast website. Now let's sit down with Jeff and find out how physical retail could be ready for a surprising rebound. I must say, Jeff, I'm really excited to have you on the podcast because we're at a, a certain juncture right now where all eyes are on retail. I think that everybody is looking at 2022 and wondering, okay, how things are going to play out. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. I appreciate you uh, taking the time. If we just try to dive right in, we've seen the rapid growth of e-commerce during the pandemic for obvious reasons. But then as stores have, have opened again, we've seen a rebound in physical retail. What do you see as the outlook for retail now? I mean, that's a, it's a great place to start. I think physical, despite all, all claims to the contrary, is far from dead. And I think in many ways, we're going to see a real revitalization probably from, from two primary things, I think. So one, there's a lot of pent-up demand. So there, there's fundamentally a people real desire to get back out in the world. And secondly, I think retailers have sat on two years of an inability to do anything interesting or innovative. So right. you basically have a pipeline of two years of ideas that never had an opportunity to be activated. So I have high hopes for, for saying physical retail not only rebound, but also for exciting things for an in-store experience as well. I think that's a really interesting point because, and no one's brought that up before, that you have had this retail industry that's basically been curtailed, but the people haven't, start, haven't stopped thinking, haven't stopped trying to come up with things with the idea that retail was going to reopen at any moment. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that, that we're sort of sitting on top of, like you say, this sort of 
bubbling cauldron of all kinds of ideas and energy that we could see released into the market now. Right now, where should retailers be focusing their attention? This is going to sound incredibly cliched, but but my take on this is really know your customer, I think, in the first instance. Because what that analogy to do is to tell you where you should be focused. So I think, you know, where we've seen for you know, opportunities, and I think about examples like, say, what Nike's been doing or, say, Dick's Sporting Goods in the States, where there, there's a desire to say, right, you know, we know our customer, they're, they're into sports, they're into athleticism, they're into experiencing outside life. Let's bring that into the store. So bring right. creating experiences in the store that I think match what the customer expectation or how the customer uses your product or product sets, I think is a much nicer fit. And so I don't think it's one size fits all as much as it's Get a deeper understanding of what your customer does, what they're coming to your store to do, what you could potentially invoke them to do while they're there, and then try to bring as much of that experience to life in, a, in an interactive and in an exciting and in an immersive experience as possible. I think that's really an interesting way to look at it because so often we see people looking more or less just at what could we sell, and they're not really thinking about what kind of an experience does that consumer want when they come into your store? We sort of think of it as, well, we want automation because that solves problems with hiring people and, <laughs> and right and everything that goes with it. But then we never think about, is that what a person who walks into a physical store wants or would they rather have more you know, personal attention? And that's just one example. It's really interesting that you bring that up. How often do you feel that retail sort of overlooks that aspect of things. Yeah, I think it's been the fundamental problem for as a whole category of retailers around, you're thinking around department stores. Right. You know, we've, heard, we've all heard the death of the department store. But if you look at, again, I look to the States because I think that's where the places are doing it best. Mm. Sort of what Target and Walmart have done to revamp the experience. You know, Target bringing in what was the staple of the department stores around, you know, setting up concessions, bringing in right. Apple, bringing in Ultra Beauty, you know, bringing in groups along those lines to create that experience there. But to but to, again, meet with their customer mission. Right? So their customers are there to get as much stuff at an appropriate price point for what they're there to do you know, in as easy a way as possible. So I think in that respect, they've done a really great job of that. And then you look at more tired department stores in the, in the space. I think they've, they've missed the boat in many ways. They haven't really thought about what their, what their customer is there to do. And so I think they, they haven't connected effectively with what are we here to do? And how does that match what, what you want to do? Because I think that's where the magic happens. Yeah, that's really an important point. It is very easy to see things through your own eyes, right? Or or also to see things through stereotypes as opposed to really actually communicating directly with the people who are coming into your store. Do you see that as possibly a need to do more sort of market research with their own customer base as opposed to what you might see as a more generic kind of a millennials like this and, you know, boomers like that and Gen Z like something else. Do you, do you think that that perhaps people need to get closer to their own customer? So I think there's, there's probably, again, two things I would look at for this. On the one side, it would be around trying to understand more of what your actual customer does and taking a realistic view on why do you actually exist. So every company has a view of why they see themselves existing. And then there's what their customers actually think of them. Right. And, it, and it's hard oftentimes to to get into the customer view of it and, and what they're actually there to do, particularly from a retail perspective. You know, what do I, what do I, what I should be offering versus what the customer actually comes to do there. And, and I right. think secondly, and one point that I think most retailers should put a lot more effort in because I feel like 
particularly the last two years, have unshackled them from doing so, is experimenting more actively. So really thinking about everything from simple things like what's the planogram look like for the store? Where are we putting things? You know, do we do we group by occasion? Do we group by by event? Are we grouping by category? And and running in a more deliberate way. You know, how could we organize this space? How could we organize the flow through? How could we match the particular category sets in a way that actually creates delight for the customer? Because ultimately, that's what you should be doing when they come into a, a retail environment in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I think it's hard sometimes to step back and look at your own things. And it certainly can be very painful to try to do market research and hear what people are saying about your company, your products, which sometimes is not flattering. You need to hear it, but it it can (laughs) really be um, heartbreaking to find out that something that you think is fabulous, other people either don't like or don't understand. So yeah, that's not an easy thing to do. People are talking about data and data analytics, and it's certainly been a a huge growth opportunity. In terms of advancements, what do you feel has been the most game-changing or at least the most significant for retailers? So I think the the main problem with data when I think about it as a rule is that it's, I can't remember who said it now, but people talk about big data like teenage sex. Everybody's talking about (laughs) it, but nobody's actually doing it. Right. And so the idea being is that I think there's a lot of ideas of, well, we need data on this without actually starting to think of what problem are you ultimately trying to solve? Right. So to my mind, one of the best thing that most retailers could do is to focus in the first instance on asking better questions and then figure out what is the appropriate data to match that. And you know, I think there is some interesting stuff that's going on around tracking. So I think from a shop marketing perspective, using, using eye tracking, using linger time, using things to track flow through the store, et cetera which is quite useful to understand, which I think can inform this, this experimental mindset we talked about. You need things like that. But I think in the first instance, what most retailers and most companies writ large would do better with is, is to ask better questions in the first instance, rather than just going, we need some data on that. Well, what do you want to do with it? And I think that's the place to start. That's really interesting. Talking about trying to figure out the right questions to be asking, as opposed to just gathering data for the sake of gathering data, which leaves you with not much of a roadmap to follow. And and I like what you said about you know tracking eye movement and linger time, because oftentimes the data that's tracked is what people actually bought, which is easy to track, but we don't understand why they didn't buy what they didn't buy, so to speak, right? We just see what they bought, but we don't understand. Is there things that people are passing by? Why are they passing that by? Well, exactly. And then I think it comes back to this experimental model is that if you were to, if you think about it, if I'm a clothing retailer, for example, you know, instead of saying I'll put scarves here, gloves there, and hats there, what about creating for the event and creating an outdoor space, which is saying out of home and bringing that together? And then comparing that over a set period of time to a more, a more, um, a category model of what that would look like and to get an understanding of and using those data to inform a decision on how should we be organizing presenting these materials. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think that we often don't really think of it that way. And as we've been discussing, there's been so much focus on data that we haven't really looked at it in, in a bigger way and, and tried to figure out where are we going with this and um, how we can do it better. Do you feel that we almost have too much data, or do you feel that we actually don't have enough in certain areas? Yeah, I, I do think there's fundamentally a problem of excess in as much as we do have too much data, but most of the time it's about things we don't care about. It's, it's right. things that are easily tracked. 
Right. And so, and, and that's fine. I think fundamentally it's a case of, so I think there's two things that most, okay. most retailers in particular struggle with, which is, you know, we have, we have an excess of data in as much as head office will need something. They send a, they send a, um, a report template to the store level. Store manager spends most of his or her time filling out said thing and sending it back with no real understanding of what's used with it and how it gets, gets put into practice. And so I think what, what you end up with is just reams and reams of information, but no real actual insight. I think if we're in a position to, and that's why I think companies like Corso, for example, um, who have a really simple shopper mission model for, for store managers. So their whole idea is they build out a view of what the store looks like. They compare you to similar stores in your wider network. And then they see where, where are there opportunities to do things. I think that's a really clever model because it's focused on small, simple, actionable activity versus just, well, look at that. That's 20% up from last year without being able to answer more. Very good point. And I think that people do tend to think bigger is better and overlook the opportunities that sometimes it's the small things that make the biggest difference. But oftentimes, exactly. the, some of it can be very difficult to measure. And, and getting comfortable with having a blank spot in the, in the dashboard, getting comfortable with saying we just need to figure out what that looks like until we have an appropriate measure for it, but knowing it's something we care about. What do you think we should be measuring that we're not measuring right now at retail? Really interesting question. To my mind, it's about it's. I think we need to get clearer on on again this idea of mission. So what what's bringing people there? And it's not necessarily asking them what brought you in today. I think it's right. a lot of getting into the the less quantified side of things, even uh, where it's you know watching how people uh, move through the place, understanding again running experiments to see how they engage with a particular offer versus how they don't, and to try to understand how you line up against comparators. I think what happens is that most retailers will align themselves on a like-for-like sale model. So what are we selling in this category versus our competitor down the street? But without actually saying, what's the mission that brought people here versus there? And then looking for points of differentiation on that mission-based model. I think it's about using data to find opportunities for advantage. Yeah, it's a very interesting way to look at it because you're right. We tend to be very focused on how we compare to a competitor. But what if we were looking at different, uh, you know, what if the reason people went to a competitor might be different than the reason people come to us? And might there not be potential opportunities there because you're serving some, a demographic that's similar, but not identical? Absolutely. You know, it, it drives me nuts when you talk to retailers and like, well, we, we have to offer free shipping because Amazon offers free shipping and we have to offer free shipping because we have to compete with Amazon. And my question is always, is Amazon even in your competitor set? Right. And is that a point of winning advantage for you? Does it matter? You know, do you have an offer where a customer is potentially more likely to accept higher friction? Um, that is by not having a, a free return, because that's not the point that brought them there. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's other things that other needs that people want satisfied. But we tend to be so focused right on what the competition is doing that we overlook the other parts. It's, I suppose that it's, it's easier to do that way. But like you said, you end up overlooking opportunities. Now, when we're looking at retail at the moment, right, we're coming off two years of a surge in shopping because particularly shopping online, because people really had nothing else to do. When we look at consumer demand heading into 2022, can we expect, do you think, the same level of consumer demand this year, and I'm talking about for products um, that we saw in late 2020 and, and certainly through 2021, or, or do you think there'll be a shift of some kind? My bet would be that there'll be a shift. So I would say that there's probably going to be 
not a dramatic drop, but a, but a rebalancing of a move from product purchases to more experiential things. So hopefully the world starts to slowly open back up. So we'll see spending increase on things like, you know, going abroad. So we might see the rise of, of say, destination shopping again, which we know took an enormous hit. In terms of places that really are not so dependent upon tourism, do you think that stores have an opportunity in a sense because they're able to offer that experience as well as being a place to actually purchase goods? To my mind, that's going to be the big differentiator is, is like I said, is that you smart, smart retailers will have taken the last two years and, and sat on two years of ideas and then thought about this year as the year of activation. Right. So you know, what I would love to see is more, again, thinking about what's the product set and how can you make that more useful, interactive, experiential, immersive for, for your customer set. So again, I come back to things like you know, Dick's, and, which I think has done an amazing job. Nike, definitely with the reduction to their, their, their core set of wholesalers they're going to go through and, and retail outlets, giving that a much more brand-aligned feel. And so it's a more active feel. And seeing simple things like, it's even this is, again, I look at Target because I just think they've done such a nice job of it, is, is bringing things like cooking demonstrations back, makeup tutorials, you know, getting, getting things happening in the store that brings a bit of life to it. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think that consumers crave that right now, especially after having spent two years in front of a screen, that just being able to breathe some fresh air and and have human contact is becoming increasingly valuable. Now, during the past two years, we really saw a surge in activewear and in anything related to active and comfort and that particular sector. Do you see that continuing or do you see other categories now taking a, a lead position? Yeah, I think it's definitely, there's going to be resilience there, but I would I would certainly expect there to be a softening um, in the active market, particularly as, as we move back to a, a hybrid working model going back into the office. So while I think dress codes will definitely relax, I would imagine that sort of uh, preppier casual or, or more formal casual wear uh, will definitely rebound in, in space of that. I think a lot of it is that we just want to get out of uh, elasticated wastes and get into something else. So I suspect it's a demand for change as much as anything. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an interesting analysis because we were seeing a surge in occasion wear, right, that came up in December. And it was interesting because people hadn't really spent anything on dressed up attire simply because there wasn't any place to wear it to. So it it was... um, it made me think as to were we going to see, as you're pointing out, that shift, even if it's a slow one, back towards smart casual. Yeah, that's where I would see it. And I think probably because we're going to, we hopefully at least have the opportunity to have more opportunities to go out. Right. And, and that could be in different places. So I think probably what we'll see is maybe greater assortment as we dress for, for location and not so much one outfit to take you through the day. Right. Now, just one last question. What do you see as the big opportunities that you feel retailers need to start looking at? Where might they be leaving money on the table, so to speak? Where do you see people stepping over dollars? The way I would think about this is that I, I think it's, again, it comes back to knowing there's not a single answer, but I think it comes back to knowing whoever your customer set is that's appropriate there. And so I think that the best thing that I would say is that I think there's an opportunity. I'll stick with luxury because it's an easier one to see. Okay. Um, and I've got an example of this is that 
is that actually integrating technology in a useful way into the experience. And so I think Farfetch, when they made a move into their first physical space, when they bought Bill Brown's department store in London, they integrated technology in a fabulous way into it so that you could, and it was, you could book ahead for the personal stylist to have outfits waiting. But then when you go into the dressing rooms, they're great because they have these, they have mirrors there that have digital elements to it so that you can look at, well, this isn't the right size. You can go through the mirror and find an additional size and then have it delivered to the dressing room. You could go through and say, take a photo of yourself on the mirror so you see what you look like there without having to do it. So I think it's about finding ways to use things that are already in the environment. So we're putting a lot more tech in retail, but to do it in a way that's ultimately additive to the experience which I think probably overall brings, there was a general lesson here, which is I think retailers are missing out. And I think there's a huge opportunity to get more experiential. I'm a broken record on this, but creating things that make it, particularly from a physical perspective, make it desirable to be there. I think that's really important. And I think that oftentimes it's easy to overlook that. In some ways, it probably sounds simplistic. In other ways, it sounds like something that people don't really want to do. But you're right. I think that it's about the experience. It's about the human interaction, the personalization of things, and the technology as a facilitator. So I, I think that's a very interesting way to look at it. Jeff, I'm sure a lot of people would love to be able to connect with you. Where can they find you? On LinkedIn is the best place. I'm pretty active there. So a great place to find me on LinkedIn. I work for, uh, so I'm, I'm the only Jeffrey Roberts at Jump. So I'm the future's there. So you can find me that way. (laughs) It's probably the easiest way to track me down. I'll definitely include those links in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share so many excellent insights. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate the time. It was great to chat. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you're feeling overwhelmed by the amount of industry information being dumped onto your desk or into your inbox, then take a look at the current situation where supply chain execs get only the news they really need summarized so that they can reclaim their time and their inboxes. You can learn more at thecurrentsituation.net. That's thecurrentsituation.net. Before you go, don't forget to check out the Seat at the Table's website. You'll find all of the previous podcast episodes other useful information, as well as how to contact us. You can find it at seatpodcast.net or their link in the show notes. That's all for now. I'm Jane Singer, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode.